0: This is the Otaku Nate Show, Episode 45, Demon Slayer, Season 1, The Dawn of the Hype Era. What is up, anime fans? Otaku Nate here with another installment of the Otaku Nate Show, the anime podcast where we talk about anime that we want to talk about. Joining me this week is William, a.k.a. Lord Crab. Hello. And Adam is a joker. What's up? And this week, we are going to be talking about Demon Slayer, or rather, season one of Demon Slayer. Released in 2019 by Ufotable, based on a manga by Koyoharu Gotoge, The series was directed by Haruo Sotozaki, who did anime adaptations of Tales of Symphonia, Tales of Zestria, and one of Ufotable's earliest projects, Ninja Nonsense. There is no credited writer for this adaptation. It only credits Ufotable as the main writer. I don't know why they just didn't go with Alan Smithy, but, hey, what do I know? So, uh, who wants to give the premise of Demon Slayer? Not that it needs a introduction, considering that everybody's seen Demon Slayer at this point.
1: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's about a guy who, uh, is trying to kill demons. <laughs> okay,
0: show's over, let's go on. Okay, well, like, <laughs> does anybody want to give the detailed explanation? Well, uh, to expand on Adam's uh,
2: (laughs) take on the synopsis, uh, Demon Slayer takes place in the um, – what was the era again? I forgot. Taisho era. Yeah, okay.
0: Not that you'd forget it considering that they mention it at the end of every episode.
2: Well, basically – it's the early 1900s just like at the almost at the start of World War 1 but that's completely irrelevant you do not need to know that. Point is Demon Slayer is about Tanjiro Kamado the main character. He's a simple boy who lives in the in a mountainous village with his mom and his five other siblings except that they got killed by a demon except for his sister Nezuko who is now a demon, but still retains a bit of her humanity. So Tanjiro ends up joining the Demon Slayer Corps, an organization created to destroy all demon kind in Japan, and in the process look for a cure for uh, to cure his
0: sister. And that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, where did you guys first hear about Demon Slayer, Slayer of Demons? And what were your impressions of it when you watched it?
1: Uh, the internet. Yeah. people <laughs> were going crazy about it. And I wasn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, being a little edgy there right now, aren't we, Adam? <laughs> I mean, it's okay. Uh, for me personally, I've heard of Demon Slayer far back uh, when it was just the manga. I don't remember where I discovered the manga I just heard, I just read the premise, thought, okay, this seems decent, but I wasn't too interested in reading it at the time. Uh, Flash forward to however time later, and then I found out it got an anime adaptation. And yeah, that's it. I don't have any more uh, to add to that.
0: Yeah, same. I discovered it on the internet and everybody was going crazy and buzzing over it, and more often than not, usually whenever a show's got a whole lot of buzz behind it, chances are it's probably not that great. But, you know me, I'm willing to try anything once. So, I decided to head on down and actually watch Demon Slayer. I don't know what year it was, it was either last year or the year before that, just to see what the fuss was all about, and I have to say I came away from Demon Slayer with an understanding as to why people like it. I wouldn't say that it's some seminal work, but that's neither here nor there. So, as always, we're going to start off with animation.
2: It's good. That's it.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. Let's move on. Okay, okay, let's uh, let's just speak on a little more detail. It's honestly hard to talk about Demon Slayer without talking about its animation, because... That's all anyone ever talks about when it comes to Demon Slayer.
2: Well, for starters, it's Ufotable. And for those who don't know, Ufotable is a studio known for some, some of, probably some of the best animation to come out of Japan uh, right now. And it's not hard to, it's really not hard to see why. It's a consistently pretty show in every single way.
0: It's funny looking at what Ufotable did before Demon Slayer. Because prior to that, they were like a C-tier studio. Some of their works before they made Demon Slayer include... Dakoida, a show that only I have ever seen. Ninja Nonsense, a.k.a. Ninja 2x4. Futakoi Alternative, which my buddy Dan says is actually pretty damn good. Coyote Ragtime Show, which is a sci-fi anime that exists. And Manabi Straight... A series from the creator of Bochi the Rock, if you can believe it. It is the series that is only notable for inventing the term Manabi Line. Basically meaning that referring to a show whose DVD sales are not great, but not terrible. Barely breaking even. In other words, the standard of average DVD sales in Japan is called the Manabi Line. But then in 2011 they make a little show called Fate Zero and it's all uphill from there. They
2: also animated the Garden of Sinners uh movie series also from
1: Fantastic.
2: Oh yeah, j- just like Fate uh, Fate Zero it's from Type Moon and also it's those movies were absolutely gorgeous uh, looking and I would say those along with Fate Zero pretty much put Ufotable Right directly on the map and opened up, uh, everyone's eyes. They, they, it garnered their attention towards
0: them, if you will. Hey, they didn't evade those taxes for nothing. And Godspeed for them on that. Yeah. Demon Slayer, its animation is great, but not that any of you guys need me to tell you that because that's all people talk about when it comes to Demon Slayer. Just, it's got amazing animation gratuitous amounts of sakuga, and high amounts of VFX, to the point where people even criticize its animation for being... over-animated.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
2: I mean, if you can call it over-ambitious, I guess you could, but... I'd still say it's impressive stuff at the very least.
0: It looks very impressive, very well done, but they also had help from a Little Legend because one of the credited animators for Demon Slayer is Yoshiaki Kawajiri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That kind of, never heard of
1: that name before.
0: Yoshiaki Kawajiri, in case you don't know, he was the director of many classic schlocky 80s and 90s movies and OVAs, director of the likes of Wicked City, Ninja Scroll, Cyber City Oedo, mm. Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust, among others. Yeah, the man is a total legend. Yeah, he did storyboarding for Demon Slayer, at least the first season. But it's an all-star mm. cast of people that helped out with the animation, and it definitely shows. I honestly don't think that Demon Slayer would have the same amount of buzz if it was animated by... I don't want to say a lesser studio, but like a studio not of Ufotable's character. I don't think you'd hear much from it if it was animated by the likes of, say, JC Staff or Lursh or TMS, not to besmirch TMS because I love me some TMS. I don't think that you get Demon Slayer having the hype that it does without that Ufotable animation.
2: I was thinking about this for a while like, if Demon Slayer was animated by any other studio, it definitely would not be as... I think it definitely, it wouldn't be as popular as it is right now. Like, if it was animated... Let's say if it was animated by a, a well-known studio like Bones or Mappa, it would still get some buzz, but probably not to the level that it is right now. And if it was a lesser-known studio or a mid-tier studio like
0: Dean or JC staff, uh, yeah, it definitely would not be that popular at all. I'd even throw Sunrise in there because they can do shounen anime. They did City Hunter, they did Witch Hunter Robin, that one's more seinen. Oh yeah, and they also animated Inuyasha. And Yakitate Japan.
2: Jesus, I forgot Yaki Yakitake Japan existed.
0: Oh, and Kakashi. But I agree with you. I think that it would get some buzz, but you wouldn't see people gushing over it on social media like you did if it wasn't by Ufotable. I'd still say that people would say it's a good series, but I think it's animation is what people have it being said as peak anime.
2: Yeah, like, I, I know that we'll cover this later in the episode, but when you really, like, push the curtains aside and get into the mean potatoes of Demon Slayer, you realize that it's not all that it's cracked up to be.
1: The the story is uh, kind of weak. Like, it has great animation, but everything else is just pretty bare bones.
0: Well, hold that thought for a second. I think also because of its animation and that Ufotable style, I think also it's given people a false impersonation of what animation in anime can be. Like they see the animation in Demon Slayer and they think that this is what all anime should look like. To the point where when they see an anime that does not have flashy action scenes every five minutes, they get bored and watch something else. As a matter of fact, if I could succinctly sum up Demon Slayer's animation in one sentence, it would be this. That's me jangling my keys in front of the microphone.
1: It's a a trend I think I've noticed with a lot of modern anime. Like, you know, some of the scenes in Attack on Titan and My Hero, it's like, throw a million things at the screen, have it be fast-paced and colorful, and it's like, that's not super impressive to me. When it comes to fight scenes.
0: To me, a show doesn't have to have fancy action scenes in order to be appealing. My favorite anime of the 2010s, Death Parade, doesn't rely too heavily on Sakuga, but it works because it's such an aesthetically pleasing show to look at. Last year, I reviewed Akka 13. That has almost no animation, but more than makes up for it with its vibrant color palette, gorgeous settings, and excellent world building. But of course, the series that I will champion for having better animation than Demon Slayer... ...are all movies and OVAs. The usual suspects. Giant Robo, Cyber City Ouedo, Robot Carnival, Memories, Macross Do You Remember Love, Ghost in the Shell 1995. But it's not fair to compare a TV series to a movie or straight-to-video production. So let me give you an example of a series that doesn't rely on dynamic animation yet still looks gorgeous several decades later. Dear Brother.
2: Oh yeah, that, um, that shoujo anime from the early nineties. Directed by one Osamu
0: Dezaki. Yeah, like anything, uh,
1: with the Rose of Versailles, right?
0: Yeah, he did the Rose of Versailles, anything by Osamu Dezaki, with the exception of Cobra and a couple of others. Those shows tend to not have flashy action scenes or sakuga moments, and they're still gorgeous to look at. Dear Brother in particular. It likely has a standard budget for a TV anime, but you can see them using every last cent on making the characters look as detailed and as beautiful as possible. How the shots are framed, how the characters move, those gorgeous Akio Sugino character designs. Dear Brother has better animation than Demon Slayer simply because it doesn't rely on flashy action sequences, and instead focuses more on the aesthetics.
2: Granted, though, I will give Ufotable this, uh, I don't know if you guys have read the manga, but the fight scenes in the manga were pretty incomprehensible at some points, uh, they don't do a great job of relaying information to the reader or making them look uh, smooth and have like, any good flow. So at least with the anime, Ufotaboom uh, fixed the fight scenes to make them look a little bit more easier to understand.
1: That's yeah.
0: That's what a good adaptation should do.
1: I kind of had to suspend my disbelief watching it, though, because all of the crazy effects and stuff like we're supposed to believe none of that is actually happening
2: i've heard that supposedly it's it's meant to just be visual like they're not actually like superpowers or whatever it's just a visual thing
1: i get that but then it's like they're supposed to be normal humans so it's like it kind of i don't know it, it's just it goes so hard in the anime aesthetic that it's like kind of hard to believe
0: I will say that one more thing in Demon Slayer's favor, it is aesthetically pleasing from a character design standpoint. I'll say this again, but Brox Kuma and I talk a lot about character designs and character profiling, how do they look in silhouette, can you tell who is who, what does their silhouette say about their personality, and Demon Slayer does that beautifully. All you have to do is look at the silhouettes of the Hashira, just to see how much effort Gotoge put into the uniqueness of every individual character, even right down to their patterns that they wear. I'm not gonna lie when I say that I would love to have a button up shirt with Tanjiro's checkered pattern on it.
1: I'm sure that's something that you can get on Etsy or something. I, I bet someone's made that.
0: Hey, I've seen someone wearing Giyu's uh, pattern on there. That's sick. <laughs> I mean, you're totally right, but
2: then you remember, oh, this is like the early 1900s, and none of these people look like they're from that era.
0: Hey, historical fiction allows for that.
1: I I would have guessed it was
2: the 1800s. Yeah, you would assume so, but it's... uh, No, this was the early 1900s, and it just took a while for Japan to actually uh, catch up with the rest of us at that time.
0: I think we've set our load about Demon Slayer's animation... It's great, and that's all you can say in two words.
1: No violet Evergarden, but I mean
0: <laughs> That's another example of something I think is better animation. That's no ping pong either.
2: A <laughs> oh, ping pong is act is unironically brilliantly
0: animated. Ping pong is unironically brilliant. <laughs> it's unironically <laughs> a freaking masterpiece, for real. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to the soundtrack, and I gotta admit, I remember liking Demon Slayer's soundtrack the first time through. Second time around, I enjoyed it again. I had no idea that it was a Yuki Kaijura soundtrack. I tend to forget that every now and then.
1: The the soundtrack for me wasn't bad, but kind of forgettable. Really? I, I oh. feel like there's maybe two like songs that I would say were actually iconic and I could like remember by heart. The one for the most part is generic.
0: The favorite one for me is uh as only brother. The one with the chanting on it. That one That's was you. a great one. Yuki Kajiura is of course a very famous Japanese composer, composed a lot of music for B Train, for the Dot Hack series, Noir, Madlax, and El Cazador de la Bruja composer for both Maiheme and My Otome, best known as the composer for Sword Art Online and erased among many many other projects. She has her own distinct style that you would not mistake for anyone else's.
2: Yeah, she has a knack for mixing classical music, electronica, and world music, and and she makes it sound so otherworldly and ethereal.
0: Back in my day on forums, there was always the debate as to who was the better composer, Yoko Kano or Yuki Kaijira. Looking at it now with older eyes, I can say there's no comparison. And I'm not meaning that to say one is better than the other. I mean, they're two entirely different composers. Yuki Kaijira composes her own unique style. She has a style that is very distinctly hers. Yoko Kano, meanwhile will compose for that series and only for that series. She has her collaborators, she has certain musicians that she works with, but I don't think she has a particular style. Yeah, on
2: one hand, you got the eclectic mix of Cowboy Bebop with its metal, blues, and jazz, but then you got uh, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone
0: Complex, for example,
2: which has a lot of electronica...
0: Uh, elements. She'll occasionally throw in other types of genres on one soundtrack, but usually with Yoko Kano on your soundtrack, there's one style that dominates overall jazz for cowboy bebop, techno for yeah. Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, world music for Escaflone.
1: Sawano so is pretty unique. All this stuff kind of sounds similar though.
0: I'm not a fan of Sawano, but that's neither here <laughs> nor there. I have to say, though, this does not sound like a Yuki Kajiura soundtrack. And then I realized that she did not do this one alone. She had help from another composer named Go Shina, Very famous video game composer for Namco. Did music for several of the Tales games. He's done music for Tekken since Tekken 6. Did music for Mr. Driller, the God Eater series, Code Vein, and Idolmaster. As an anime composer, you might have heard his music in Kyoso Giga and Dimension W. Oh.
1: Yeah.
0: I gotta say, this is a damn good soundtrack. I like its mix of Japanese folk music with contemporary sounds. If I could compare it to anything, and I sent you guys the soundtrack for this, it reminds me a lot of the soundtrack for The Dagger of Kamui. I was
2: also thinking of Kitara, the New Age uh, musician.
0: I have never heard of him.
2: Oh, uh, he's actually a a veteran New Age composer. I'd say his music is very similar to the soundtrack of Demon Slayer, except not nearly as contemporary, but I'd say it's almost
0: close enough. Send me some tracks of him. I want to hear them. With their powers combined, I think they make a great soundtrack, although good luck finding this online or streaming anywhere because it is not on Spotify, and the YouTube playlists for this are disorganized as my room. So, though, it's a great soundtrack that I'll happily revisit any time of the week. Moving over to voice acting, we've got a pretty stacked cast here. Tanjiro is voiced by Natsuki Hanai. He's had... Quite a few big roles in anime. You may know him best as Ken Kaneki in Tokyo Ghoul. Gundam fans will know him as Biscuit Griffin in Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. And Elon Cirrus, or as Twitter calls him, Five-Len Cirrus in G-Witch. Falco in Attack on Titan, the final season, part one, part two, or whatever season it goes on for. (laughs) Part and the final season, part 2. Attack on Titan, the final season, part 3. Oh God, make it stop. <laughs> He's Takami Aldini in Shokugeki no Soma. He's also Kosei in Your Lion April. And... <sighs> Kaizuka Inaho... ...in Aldnoa Zero. That was way. <laughs> oh, but he's also 9S in Nier Automata, so I'll forgive him for that one. Our precious little demonic cinnamon roll, Nezuko, is voiced by Akari Kito. You may have heard her as Nene in Toilet-Bound Hanako-kun, Kanata in Love Live, Nijigasaki Academy, she's Eve in Birdie Wing, one of my favorites from 2023, Erika Amano in A Couple of Cuckoos, and Barbara in Genshin Impact. The sleepwalking Dorito Boy Zenitsu is played by Hiro Shimono. You may have heard him as Dobby in My Hero Academia, Connie Springer in Attack on Titan, Phantom oh. in Undead Murder Farce, Noct Faust in Black Clover, Kema Katsuragi in The World God Only Knows, And I've heard him as Gene Otis in Aka 13.
2: Ironic, because Gene's like the opposite of
0: Zenitsu. In every way, shape, and form. Peppa Pig's steroid-using Uncle Inosuke is voiced by Yoshitsugu Matsuoka. You can hear him as Yukihira Soma in Shokugeki no Soma, Taruki in Mob Psycho 100, Koki Muta in Jujutsu Kaisen, Raichi in Blue Lock. Oh, he's a uh, Kirito in Sword Art Online
2: and unfortunately nearly every single light novel and harem protagonist ever.
0: I was about to say he's also Sora in No Game No Life, Bell Crenell in Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, and I would also be remiss if I didn't mention that he was Masamune in Arrow Manga Sensei.
1: Is he uh is he Betelgeese in ReZero? Yes he is. I knew it!
0: I thought you say the name is Beetlejuice.
1: I don't know how it's pronounced.
0: <laughs> it's Beetlejuice. It's, let's
2: you know what? Yes, Beetlejuice. Not Beetle Geist, Beetlejuice. Why not?
0: Beetlejuice Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Nice fucking model!
2: Unfortunately, you're not gonna get my uh Michael Keaton.
0: The two main Hashira we focus on this season, the butterfly Hashira Shinobu is voiced by Saori Hayami. She is currently the voice of Your Forger in Spy Family, Fubuki in One Punch Man, and Yamato in One Piece. She's also Yumiko in Kakegurui, Yotsugi in the Monogatari series, Ameri in Welcome to Demon School, Irma-kun, Musubi in Sekirei, one of my favorite ecchi series, Icaros in Heaven's Lost Property, and the titular Shirayuki in Snow White with the Red Hair. I fucking love Sayuri Hayami. She has the voice of a goddess. The first Hashira we meet, Giyu, is voiced by the crown prince of infidelity, Takahiro Sakurai.
2: <laughs> no comment.
0: For those who don't know, Takahiro Sakurai got caught cheating on his wife for ten years.
2: And speaking as a longtime fan of him, I could not be more disappointed than ever.
0: Yeah, that's uh kind of hard to rebound from. His agency dropped him, and I think he's been recast in Demon Slayer, because I know he got recast in a lot of things.
2: Except Jujutsu Kaisen. Sucks to suck.
0: Yeah. Prior to that, he was the voice of Suzaku in Code Geass, Reagan in Mob Psycho 100, Rohan Kishibe in Diamond is Unbreakable. Hey, he's got something in common with Kishibe's dub voice actor. He is Osamatsu in Mr. Osamatsu, Takashi in Cromartie High School, Shogo Makashima in Psychopass, and, timely reference here, Cloud in Final Fantasy VII.
2: I just want to say, Nate, I am so glad you mentioned Cromartie High School, because I still love the fact that Takahiro Sakurai voiced the main character in that, of all
0: things.
1: And lastly- I just want to say, uh, I hate Suzaku.
0: Code Geass is mid. That's my hot take. <laughs> lastly, our main villain, Muzan Kibutsuji, is voiced by Toshihiko Seki. Gundam fans will know him as Duo Maxwell in Gundam Wing and Raoulay Cruzette in Gundam Seed. You can also hear him as Senketsu in Kill la Kill, Genjo Sanzo in Sayuki, Legato in the original Trigun, Momotaros in Kamen Rider Den-O, and he is the Japanese voice of the Tenth Doctor in Doctor Who.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. Random.
0: There's also a lot of other notable voice actors in this show, The hand demon that Tanjiro fights early on is voiced by Dio himself, Takahito Koyasu. The arrow demon, Yahaba, is voiced by Jun Fukuyama, so we have both Lelouch and Suzaku in this series. Mikako Komatsu plays Susumaru, the dodgeball demon. She's currently Maki in Jujutsu Kaisen. Maya Sakamoto plays the good demon, Miss Tamayo, regular collaborator with Yoko Kano. Rui is played by Koki Uchiyama, we know him on this podcast as being the voice of Seiya in Amagi Brilliant Park. Tanjiro's dad is played by Shinichiro Miki, so uh, his dad is Roy Mustang.
1: Oh, that's how he does that fire move.
0: And one of the Ubuyashikis is voiced by Yuki Aoi, and I had to mention that because uh, I'm kind of a big Yuki Aoi fan. You two can probably guess why.
2: I don't blame you. She's pretty damn amazing. As for the dub, the dub is great. I just want to say, I don't think it was ever as bad as many people have made it out to be. Uh, it does have some iffy moments here and there, but I think it's pretty
0: solid overall. It, it, it's great. I absolutely loved Zack Aguilar as Tanjiro. I never got any of the complaints about him. I thought Zach was great as tanjaro. Oh, he his voice is perfect. The direction's good. No complaints on my end.
1: I, I feel like some of the emotional scenes, the line delivery, it, it just didn't hit as much as the sub.
0: That's something you're going to struggle with whenever you dub something from a foreign language into English.
1: It depends on which one you watched first, too.
0: I also love Abby Trott giving it her all as Nezuko. Ironic,
2: considering both she and Akari Kito had to put in the bare
0: minimum for Nezuko, cause she couldn't talk. Hey, there's an art to it. A little funny story about the dubbing process. Abby Trott said that they tried using a replica of Nezuko's muzzle for the recording, but ultimately it wound up not working her voice just ended up being incredibly muffled and wasn't being picked up by the microphone, so she just covered her mouth with her hand.
1: I mean, points for trying.
0: I really enjoyed Alex Lee as Zenitsu, but my MVP for the English dub, you know him, you love him, it's Bryce Pappenbrook as Inosuke. Uh, it's actually the
2: other way around for me. Personally, I think Bryce is good as Inosuke, but Alex carried the dub as in uh, as it is. So.
0: I choose Bryce Papenbrook just because his performance is one of those that I call having the time of his life.
2: Yeah, you could definitely tell.
0: It must have been really hard for him to do too because at least with Zenitsu, Alex Lee has to dial things back a little bit and talk normally. All of Inosuke's dialogue is just him yelling. And that had to have been rough on Bryce's voice.
2: Funny thing, though, I've heard that, according to Bryce, uh, how he had to do Inosuke's voice, he said that he had to drink a lot of black coffee.
0: I was gonna say, (laughs) the reason why he was able to keep his voice from rupturing like that was that he drank a lot of coffee.
2: Yeah, and every time he took a, a sip of black coffee, he was like,
1: Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it.
0: Bryce Pappenbrook, death metal vocalist. It's an excellent dub, and if you're a dub watcher, by all means, give it a shot. So, do we have anything else to say about the dub before we go on? I personally really loved Greg Chun as Muzon. Oh, I completely forgot that he was the voice of Muzan Kizubuchi.
2: Yeah, he made Muzan incredibly chilling. Not just in the first season, but anytime he was on screen, he was he was genuinely really menacing
0: uh, as Muzan. I also have to give a shout out to Kirk Thornton for like quadruple billing like he always does.
2: Because he definitely deserves it because he's underrated
0: unquestionably. So now let's move into our main discussion about Demon Slayer, and I get the feeling that we're going to have both a lot and not much to say about Demon Slayer, because there's a lot of good you can say about Demon Slayer, and there's a lot of bad you can say about Demon Slayer, at least in terms of how it's hyped up. I mean, you could still have the correct opinion But the crux of what I wanted to do with this review was, removed from its hype, its popularity, and its presence on social media, is Demon Slayer a good show? And my answer to that question is, yes. Yes, it is. I think Demon Slayer is a good show.
2: Well, personally speaking, I'm mixed on uh, on Demon Slayer if you were to ask me months or over a year ago I would say that it's a good show overall but now it's very complicated because I've grown to realize just how deeply deeply flawed uh, Demon Slayer is more so like as as a piece of fiction really because I've grown to realize just how many problems are littered throughout Demon Slayer
1: I feel like tonally it doesn't know what it wants to be. There's like jokey moments and it's like, there's like humor and like full Malcolm's Brotherhood and My Hero Academia and whatnot. But for some reason, it just didn't hit the same with the show for me. Like you have these really dark, scary, creepy moments. And then all of a sudden it's all zany jokes and it just didn't fit right for me.
0: I get the feeling that comedic timing or comedic relief during serious moments is a common thing in shonen anime. I actually think Demon Slayer's comedic timing here is better than the likes of Fullmetal Alchemist. Whereas Fullmetal Alchemist is like trying to tell you this big, epic, sweeping story spanning an entire continent. Whereas with Demon Slayer, it's just one guy's journey off to slay the demons.
2: I mean, I'll give Demon Slayer this... There's at least a few more jokes to it other than well, Fullmetal Alchemist where its only joke is uh, at least the one <laughs> is it is short.
0: I think that's sort of the charm of Demon Slayer to me anyway. It doesn't try to be anything more than a simple straightforward shonen series. And its straightforwardness is why I think so many people can get into it so easily there's no like any sort of mystery surrounding our hero and his sister or why his family was attacked by demons. It's just his family got killed by demons and he must fight the demons and no Tanjiro, you are the demons. And then Tanjiro was a zombie. The thing is so about that is, yeah, I mean, you can write a
2: simplistic, straightforward story, that's completely fine but that usually comes with a a catch 22 if you will because when you have something that's too straightforward you begin to realize that there's very little meat and it's it's just nothing but
1: bones it is refreshing to get a protagonist that's actually like you know just a genuinely nice and good person who like you know thinks about things, and isn't just I'm the best, or is just a whiny like, you know, depressed kid.
0: I'm gonna be king he's not gonna be king of the demon slayers. Yeah. <laughs> he's just out to save his sister, that's it. A- a- Tanjiro's charm, to me anyway he's he's a very likable shonen protagonist. He's not on a quest to be the very best like no one ever was. He's just a guy out looking to kill demons and save his sister, and that's it.
2: I mean, I do like Tanjiro for that, but he's not like a good, like an amazing protagonist in my opinion. Well, that's just because I'm just speaking personally because I have a certain personal standard for what makes a good protagonist or at least a high, an amazing
0: one for me. And Tanjiro is just a good one, which isn't bad, but he's just good. And I think that's sort of the general consensus we all have about Demon Slayer is that it's just good. To go away from the characters for a second, though, when I say I like how straightforward it is, the first few episodes of Demon Slayer are structured perfectly. It's all killer, no filler. Episode 1, we meet Tanjiro and we learn his backstory and his situation. Episodes 2 through 4, we see Tanjiro learning to become a Demon Slayer. Episodes 5 and 6, we get Tanjiro's first mission on the job, as well as a look at the deeper relationship between humans and demons. And finally, in episode 7, we're introduced to the main villain, Muzan Kibutsuji. That's it. There's no, oh, we've got to kill the main demon, but oh, that's not the main demon. It's actually this guy. It's just, nope, here's Muzan Kibutsuji. He's the main villain. We got to kill him. That's it. There's a sense of urgency with how demon slayer introduces things to it but that urgency of course evaporates after episode seven not in a bad way it's just that we got to introduce more characters and learn more about them
1: it definitely felt like it slowed down by that point i wouldn't say it's filler but
0: that's something that i just picked up on in the first half i'm like okay they're going through things very quickly There's no, like, build-up to the big bat. I kind of like it when Shonen doesn't necessarily build to the reveal of the main villain or introduces the main villain right away. Another anime that does this that both William and I enjoy? Dr. Stone!
2: Yeah, because, uh, so far... Well, I don't want to spoil anything in Dr. Stone, but... In the beginning of Dr. Stone, it's... You don't really get a central antagonist. I mean... You do tend, I mean, you have Tsukasa uh, in the first two seasons, and then the third one, you get a completely different guy, uh, you know, uh, Ibra. But the overall main antagonist
0: isn't really important or in Dr. Stone. And it's kind of the same deal with Muzan Kibutsuji. He's not that important compared to his underlings.
2: Yeah, because really. Muzan is basically just minding his business, trying to look for a cure to cure his, you know, his demonness, while he lets his cronies do all the work.
0: He's probably just that guy who goes to the market, buys some eggs, bread, and cheese, brings them to his house, makes a sandwich, sits down and listens to the radio, and then goes to bed at night.
2: Yeah, why bother trying to take down the Demon Slayer core when you, when you can just create demons and have them do your <laughs> dirty business?
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with villains who do that, but, like, some of them have a certain presence. She ain't a villain, but I will always say, Balalaika is the strongest woman in all of anime. Just because of how she's able to have her men do whatever it is she asks of them without them questioning her over it. But with Muzan Kibutsuji, when we see the demons he sends, you can clearly tell they have regrets over becoming demons, realizing the error of their ways in the fights. I've had someone tell me that this is Demon Slayer playing into themes of redemption, but it's not like these were people who were irredeemable in the first place. It's just these were people stupid enough to be manipulated by Muzan Kibutsuji into becoming demons.
1: Oops, it's sorry. like if you randomly able to cure somebody from being a zombie, but then you still held them accountable for what they did. They don't really have that much control. So it's like, can you really be mad at them?
0: I mean, granted, some of the demons they face are cool. Love the spider demon family from that in that one stretch of episodes toward the end. I actually like that they have a complicated backstory behind them. This is one of few times where I actually cared about the demons, but... Other than that, it's just, it's a demon who has a unique ability and we got to figure out its weakness. Again, simple and straightforward. Things, though, that I want to add is that with the demons
2: in Demon Slayer, like, a lot of the times they were people who were, like, down on their luck or they were in a really shitty place and they became demons, like, out of desperation. Or usually they, they just wanted power, basically. And,. For some of them, like, how do I put this? My problem with this, though, we don't need to learn the backstories for all the demons, like the hand demon from the final exam or that drum demon uh, in that one arc where we're introduced to Zenitsu. We don't need to learn their backstories. Like, okay, you're Mm -hmm. a demon. Whatever. Cool. (laughs) I don't need to learn about why you became this. I mean, for someone like Ruri, I, uh, okay, I get where you're coming from. Sure. But I kind of don't care personally.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, we, we know the demons used to be people. It's like, you've drilled that into us enough times where it's like, I, it, it gets a little sappy after a while.
2: And the thing is, I understand that the series is humanizing the demons, like, showing, like, oh, they were just people. I get that. But you don't have
0: to do that all the time. Not every villain deserves a redemption arc. There are some who are just plain evil. And Demon Slayer needed more demons who are just plain evil. There's one demon that does
2: show up. I'm not going to spoil who. But there was a demon who, even back when he was a human, he was a selfish piece of shit who only wanted more strength and more power. And that's it. Whereas most of the other demons were just in a really shitty situation and they just wanted to live. That's it. So the series does know when to humanize demons, but it knows, no, these are horrible, horrible monsters.
0: Even when they were human... So, it's okay to let them be evil. Sometimes they need villains whose sole purpose it is just to antagonize our people. They don't need an ulterior motive or something. And I think Demon Slayer just tries so hard to get us to care about demons who are otherwise insignificant in the grand scheme of things.
2: Exactly. Like I said, you don't need to humanize a lot of them.
0: Like, the first two demons that we meet, the dodgeball demon and the arrow demon, like, those are memorable because they don't need that. They don't necessarily have that tragic backstory.
1: That was a good fight.
0: Oh yeah, without question. Although I think that it reiterates, although I think that it only reaffirms Mitch Hedberg's fear about being killed with a bow and arrow. I'd hate to be killed by an arrow, man. They never solved the case. Look at that dead guy. Let's go that way. It's kind of unfortunate that it puts so much effort to try and make us feel about the villains, because I honestly really like the characters of Demon Slayer. Like we've talked about Tanjiro, like who do we want to talk about first? Zenitsu or Inosuke? Inosuke, because he's best boy. Oh, I love Inosuke. Inosuke is series MVP in my humble opinion. I love Inosuke because he's basically just a gonagai guy character. He, in my opinion, he's hilarious. Oh, without question. He's so much of a guy character. All that's missing from him is the pointy Dynamic Pro sideburns.
2: <laughs> he could pull that off, but he it would ruin
0: his pretty, pretty complexion. Oh, the jokes about his face are some of the best.
1: Zenitsu is kind of annoying.
0: He was a little more grating... He was a little more grating... The second time around, I feel, just because he's kind of a one-note character.
2: Yeah, he really is. Like, throughout the whole show, like, I'd say up until the final arc of Demon Slayer, he doesn't have any development. All he is is whine and cry, simp for Nezuko, sleep it become overpowered, and that's it.
0: In fairness, though, isn't that a power that we'd all want, sleep, and become overpowered?
2: Yeah, truly, we will be able to get so much shit done.
0: I saw a post on social media today talking about how an American comic book would portray someone whose superpower is to make bubblegum versus how a Japanese comic would portray someone whose superpower is to make bubblegum gum. I kind of get the vibe with Zenitsu. It's, if this was an American comic book, they'd be like, oh, your power is to gain strength while you're sleeping? Ha, that's stupid. Who would ever want that power? Not me. Whereas a Japanese comic is like, he gets stronger when he's knocked out or when he sleeps. Oh crap, we better not piss this guy off. A bad writer mocks a character for having that ability. A good writer makes it work.
2: Unfortunately, Gotuke just doesn't capitalize on that.
0: Yeah, that that's what kind of sucks about this. There also isn't really much up to Nezuko either, since her sole purpose is to just sit there and look cute. And occasionally...
1: She is really cute.
0: <laughs> I mean,
2: she does fight every now and then, but a lot often than not, she just rests in the box that Tanjiro carries her in, which... I don't understand why he needs to carry her in that a lot of the time, especially during fights. Like he couldn't just put it aside, maybe let Nezuko fight. But no, just gotta carry her, or like he's like she's just an object.
0: My biggest issue with that box is uh, how it constantly seems to be changing sizes in different shots. Some shots, it looks like Nezuko could fit in there easily. Other times I don't think you could fit a wine bottle in there.
1: Maybe the box changes size like she does. <laughs> uh,
0: magic box. Again, it just plays into what we say about demons are just being basic. I mean the Hashiro are cool characters. We get introduced to a lot of them by the end and you know, I am curious about the rest of them. I hope none of them die in pointless fashion. <laughs> Well, hate to be the bearer of bad news, Nate. Oh, you don't need to tell me. I've seen Mugen Train. And
2: I've read the whole manga, so
0: yeah. Some of them have interesting personalities. It's just that you wish that there was a series more about them.
1: Maybe do like a prequel series or something.
0: Maybe.
2: Maybe. Well, there was a spinoff manga about Gyu.
0: Yeah, the the one who's the least sympathetic toward demons, or at least one of them, who is not at all sympathetic to demons.
1: G- Gigu tapioca, whatever his name is. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> There's that one dude with all the scars? Oh he yeah. Kinda, oh, the he guy looks like that the ice dude from Bleach.
0: The cocaine Hashira?
2: Yeah, that guy. You say cocaine, but Sonami always looks like a meth addict to you. <laughs> <laughs> the meth hashira <laughs> It's just like that one comic book villain who gets powerful when he sniffs when he sniffs heroins.
0: Snowflame! No, no, no.
2: Snowflame, that's his name. Yes. Sonami actually gets his power from doing
0: math. What is it with this podcast and Linkara references? So yeah, if its story is basic, its cast is basic, but I have to say there's nothing wrong with being basic. We all have to start somewhere in our anime fandom. There's always one anime that brings us in to the fandom that we go back and we realize, well, yeah, this was incredibly simple, but it's still entertaining and it still holds up with it
1: doesn't need to be anything amazing
0: but the thing is and the part of the reason why i'm having this podcast is because people who watch demon slayer constantly think it's the most amazing thing ever and yeah it's got amazing animation but that's about it and i think the one moment that people said that makes people go demon slayer with mid was all the hype around episode 19
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, the yeah, Tanjiro's finishing not technically finishing uh but that blow that he does to Rui towards the end.
0: Oh, the mastery of Hinokami, yeah.
1: It's like, a hype moment.
0: Well, the thing is when I saw episode 19 of Demon Slayer I was like this is peak anime. This is the best anime ever. This is why anime is so much better than American cartoons. I was expecting something more, like, you know, a big emotional moment, a moment that made me laugh out loud, a moment that, you know, just really stuck with me, that did more than just made me go, yes, and even, there's plenty of anime with episodes like that, but when I think of, like, great individual episodes of anime, I usually think of, say, episode five of Golden Boy, Episode 9 of Asobi-ni Ikuyo, the first Assistroid, which really stuck with me. Episode 10 of Violet Evergarden, the banned first oh. episode of Mr. Osamatsu.
1: Oh, uh, episode 10 destroyed me.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, it destroys a lot of people. The finale of the Twins arc in Black Lagoon. Piero LeFou from Cowboy Bebop. Like, episodes that do something special. Hell, the episode that got me to be an anime fan for life, episode 26 of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. That's an episode that has almost no animation in it, but the opening of that episode and what happens made me stare at my screen and say, I need to know what happens next. With episode 19 of Demon Slayer, as soon as that Hinokami thing hit and the episode ended, I just looked at my screen and went, that's it? This is what everybody's raving about. I mean, it was a cool sequence, but that was really it. I went around on Discord asking people why they felt that this episode was so special, why they praised it as if it was the second coming of Giant Robo or something, and the answer was the same all around. It has great animation.
1: That's it. I feel like the uh, the emotional aspect of the, the episode, like the ending was like hit harder than the actual animation for me like if that makes sense
0: i don't know like to me i just watched it and i went tanjiro and nezuko team up together using new techniques to land a critical blow on the villain riveting i mean yeah there's flashbacks to tanjiro and his family but i'm like it it just didn't do anything for me but this sort of goes back to what i'm saying like because so many people got into anime through Demon Slayer, they think that that episode is what peak anime is, and there's a line between people who say that they like anime and people who say that they like anime as a fad. There's people who like Demon Slayer, but will actively seek out things that aren't like Demon Slayer, and the people who say that they like Demon Slayer and other battles shown in anime, and practically nothing else.
1: Yeah, I call then, those people morons. Or cloud chasers.
2: <laughs> but then again, though, those tend to go hand in hand.
0: I know that there are some people out there who use the word tourists, but really, I enjoy using normies to describe those people. People who hype up Demon Slayer as some sort of magnum opus are people who only watch the popular stuff and not much else. And as I unashamedly say, and you can come at me for this one, Battle Shonen fanboys are stupid.
2: <laughs> and speaking as a longtime time Shonen fan, that is a hard fact.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've tried to get people to watch, like, Monster so many times, and they'll, they'll just say it's boring and slow, and just want to watch stuff with high-paced action. And, and speaking... And speaking as a Shonen fan, Vinland Saga
0: slaps. Anyone who says that season two sucks can eat a bag of dicks. Oh, it was so much fun watching the normies filter themselves out through Farmland Saga.
2: (laughs) Vinland Saga, more like Farmland Saga. Yeah, it's fucking peak. What's your (laughs) point?
0: And when it, whenever somebody complains about something being boring because there's no action in it, you just point to them and say, you don't watch anime. That's what I do a lot on social media. Yeah. Either that
2: or they just have no sense of media literacy.
0: But to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with Demon Slayer as an entry level. We all have to start somewhere. And there's nothing wrong with Baby's First Anime. I do think that Demon Slayer is a good starting point, especially if you have kids. This is a great anime. Even with the violence, it's a great series to show to children. But, again, it's meant for teenagers. It's a series meant for, you know, that 13 to 19 demographic. Eventually, though, you have to grow up as an anime fan and start watching things that don't have flashy action scenes. I've reviewed quite a few anime where there's virtually no action, but yet those shows were plenty enjoyable. Hell, what were your guys' gateway anime?
2: Well, I mean, for me personally, it was always the classics. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, mine was Pokemon and. When I was growing up a little bit, I I besides Dragon Ball, which was everyone's uh entry into anime, yeah. there was R Yu-Gi-Oh. But the thing is though about that is that over time you begin to realize, oh, there's more to anime than just fight scenes. There's stories, there's themes you can understand and connect to, there's characters you can relate to. It's not always about fight scenes and having massive giant boobs flung into your face there's so much you can get out of anime besides you know just stuff that's just visually pleasing to you
1: i'd say the first anime that really piqued my interest is uh outlaw star but the first anime i I sat down and watched that made me realize like anime can be more than just like action stuff was uh kanon
0: Ooh.
2: Oh, that is that is a good show.
0: My first anime, at least the popular ones that I watched, was Sailor Moon. I watched that religiously before moving on to things like Inuyasha and Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. My River Jordan anime, the ones that I would say was beyond what was popular, were Full Metal Panic and Interstellar 4 5. But with Sailor Moon, unlike Pokemon or Dragon Ball, I can go back to Sailor Moon and still find, as Aaron Chapman said in the Tokyo Godfathers episode, I can go back to Sailor Moon and find all of these little coins in the cake when it comes to Sailor Moon and the character dynamics, individual episodes and the stories they tell, the themes that are present, you know, what each season did differently than the one that came before it. With Demon Slayer, though... There isn't much there, there. It's just as simple as it gets. And I know that there are some out there who can analyze Demon Slayer a lot better than I can. But for the most part, I just find that Demon Slayer on the whole is... Eh?
2: Demon Slayer to me is just popcorn fun. Yeah. Like, not deep or complex... It's just something you turn on, you put on for like a, an hour or two and you feel entertained. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that it's not really that deep. It's just nice, lighthearted
0: thought. It's just good, clean fun, but don't let it define anime for you. If you like the fancy swordplay of Demon Slayer, the next step up is stuff like. Sword of the Stranger, Samurai Shamplu, Ninja Scroll, and the aforementioned Dagger of Kamui. Or how about another classic, like Rurouni Kenshin?
1: Yeah, 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 that's another good
0: one, that's another good
1: one. You just reminded me that I need to catch up on Golden Kamui.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's another good one. Golden Kamui is a modern-day classic.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's also, like, educational, I Like, I like that.
0: At least when it comes to the history of the Russo-Japanese conflict. And also, Ainu culture, too. Yeah. I think that's sort of the thing that I want my listeners to take away from our little discussion of Demon Slayer. It's a good show, definitely, but don't let it be the one to define anime for you. You've got a taste of what it can be. And I know that this guy is rather controversial with his Twitter opinions and he's kind of gotten into a little bit of a spat with his followers. But as Ollie Barter says, watch more anime.
1: Don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone.
2: That and just learn to understand that there is so much more to anime than just what's on the surface.
0: Do we have anything else to say about Demon Slayer before we wrap? Uh, one
2: thing that I've come to realize about Demon Slayer is that the world building is really terrible. Like, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the thing that, I ne- that I've that i come to realize about Demon Slayer is that there's just no sense of place. Like, yes. we never, I don't think we ever learned where exactly uh, the show takes place. Place in in Japan. Like, we see that Tantro and others travel to so many places in the country, but we have no idea where
0: or how they got there or. Yeah,
1: there's no journey. They're just there.
0: Even the Dagger of Kamui had the sense to name where Jiro goes on his quest for revenge.
1: Exactly.
2: It's just, okay, Tanjiro is in the Red Light District. Oh, now he's over at the main Demon Slayer Corps. Oh no, he's in the Blacksmith, uh, the Swordsmith Village. But we're never told where these places are in tangent to one another. Nor do we ever get an idea of just how, how much of a threat demons are just in this country. I mean, I assume it's only just in Japan, but we're never told that.
0: Hey, you want to know something? I gave you a little train trivia in the outtake. The train in Mugen Train apparently does not even have a real-life basis. Oh. Uh. People speculate as to just what that train's basis is.
1: See, to me, that's just lazy writing. Like, you're you're basing it more or less in the real world. So why wouldn't you do the extra homework to figure out what trains were around during that time, you know, make I, it more...
2: I get the feeling
0: that gotok just doesn't put in the bare minimum of thought. Hey, the master, Leiji Matsumoto, had the common courtesy to base a train that flies through outer space off of a real-life locomotive in the Galaxy Express 3.9 the titular 3-9 being a JNR C-62 class number 46, I believe it is, and he chose it because it was the strongest and fastest passenger locomotive at the time.
2: Okay, so that makes sense in Galaxy Express, but in Demon Slayer with Mugen Train, going off of what you have said about the train that was shown in Demon Slayer, it kind of gives me the impression that I guess Gotugay just found whatever Western train that they could find in a book or something and just said, yes, I'll use that. What if they were fans of the Railway series?
1: I think Avatar The Last Airbender did travel better. (laughs) I mean, that just goes without saying. (laughs) That's a kid's show.
0: Well, Demon Slayer is also a kid's show, but Avatar is inherently better. I went there.
1: (laughs) And that's a fact. So would you say that Demon Slayer is overrated?
0: I wouldn't say it's overrated, but overhyped is a better word. Okay.
1: Yeah. Like, I
2: was going to say overrated, but that would imply, like, that overrated means that it's bad. And Demon Slayer isn't great, but it's not... It's far from one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I've seen a whole lot of shit throughout my life.
0: It's just okay at the very best
1: yeah that's kind of how i feel about like evangelion
0: now there's a show that i think is overrated (laughs) same yeah demon slayer i think the overexposure is what makes people really loathe it so much removed from all the hype it's a fine show but there are so many other shows that do what demon slayer does and does it better
1: Now, you want a show that's underrated uh i would recommend uh flip flappers
0: oh yes now, there's a show nobody... that's all Flash and substance.
1: Yeah, but nobody talks about it. It's like what FLCL wanted to be.
2: Okay, I, I can't speak on behalf of Flip Flappers, but as someone who has seen Fully Cooly many times,
0: I can't... I, I have to disagree. Let's break it up now, you two. <laughs> anyway, uh... I think after that little bit of world-building, do we have any final, final thoughts on Demon Slayer? Uh,
1: It's a good show. I mean, watch it if you want.
0: Uh, I already
2: said my opinions a moment ago about Demon Slayer, but I'll just say I've, I've come to understand a lot of its flaws over time and how... It's very, very shallow. It's very inconsistent. It has many plot holes. And it just does not explain things properly. But despite all that, I don't hate it. And you should not feel bad for liking Demon Slayer. Because I don't care what, you, what anyone watches or likes. Just as long as they enjoy it. And that's fine by me. And therefore... You can enjoy Demon Slayer as much as you want.
0: My final thoughts are, Demon Slayer is a good show, but let's not kid ourselves. It's not like some seminal work of fiction. In terms of Shonen Goes, it's not on the same level of something like Fist of the North Star, or Saint Seiya, or Rurouni Kenshin. Or, if you want to go really far back, the show that basically set the foundations for modern Shonen, Ashitano Joe. It's good for what it is, but you shouldn't let it color your perceptions of anime. There is so much more out there. And if you enjoy it, then find things that aren't battle in, or find things similar to Demon Slayer that deal with similar subject matter that don't have flashy action scenes every five minutes, and watch those. And I think with all of that said, we are officially done for this podcast. If you enjoy the show, please give us a like, subscribe to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, any place to you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Otaku Nate Show. And you can follow me on Instagram at Natendowee, Nate that is N-A-T-E-N-D-O-W-I-I, where I am usually posting photos of myself at sporting events. Next time on the Otaku Nate Show. If Demon Slayer is a series that polarized people based solely on its perception from the mass audience, then what we're reviewing next has polarized people due to its content. Because next time, we're doing another follow-up episode. We already reviewed Megazone 2-3 Part 1, which was the OVA that really set the market ablaze and set a whole scene throughout the 1980s and early 90s. And now, we take a look at its sequel that people either love or outright loathe, and we'll see which side of the fence I fall on when we look at Megazone 2-3, Part 2. So until then, this is Otaku Nate. I be William, and I be Bai.
1: And this is Adam is a Joker. <laughs>
0: And we're signing off and saying, And now it's time for a Taisho-era secret. Epstein didn't kill himself. Good night, everybody.